0: You're recording? Yes. I had, like, in my mind, I had this bit ready for a cold open, like, two days ago. You're looking at me longingly like you're expecting me to tell you, but what I'm saying is I completely forget what the (laughs) opening bit was supposed to be in my head.
1: Oh, I was going to say, I'm an improv expert, so yes and is my uh, motto, So I was ready to yes, and you, but, uh,
0: I had a bit ready and,
1: and we are not going to be doing that bit anymore because unfortunately Andrew forgot the bit.
0: Yes. And it's time for the show.
1: Yes. And it's time for talking games with Kelly and Andrew.
0: Well, you can't say that we're still in the cold open.
1: Well, they, I mean, they know.
0: (laughs) Sorry, everybody. (laughs) I didn't mean to spoil what this episode was. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Talking Games with Kelly and Andrew. I'm Andrew.
1: And I'm Kelly.
0: Uh, we should have done, I'm Joel, and I'm Ellie.
1: Oh, I'm Smelly.
0: Ooh, okay. We got a lot of failed bits in the first chunk of this episode, don't we?
1: Yeah, not our finest hour.
0: I almost want to start with the second story, because the second story's all about failure, but I feel like that'd <laughs> be cheating. Let's...
1: No, let's do that. Let's talk about failure first.
0: Okay. Let's get it out of the way. Let's th- we've never done this, but we're gonna read the news stories out of order. I mean if there's no real reason for them to be in this order other than that's when I that's the order I copy pasted them into the sheet with the links. Um Ubisoft. Ubisoft. Uh
1: Boobisoft?
0: I let it I left it open so you could say it. They had a meeting with their investors, and they stated that they were very disappointed in the sales of Mario Plus Rabbids, Sparks of Hope, as well as the new Just Dance entry. They also stated that due to some garbage sales and lowered expectations, they have decided to cancel three major projects. These projects were not yet announced, so this is not things that we know about. And they also, buckle up, folks, (laughs) buckle up, Kelly. They announced that Skull and Bones, I know, yeah, you know what's coming. It's been delayed again to its new release window of April 2023, pretty soon, uh, to April 2024, which is not soon. Wow. Uh,
1: I I don't even know what to say.
0: Um... Eighth times the charm on that delay.
1: I do believe that this is a ship that is perhaps sinking, much like you could have sunk a ship in skull and bones if it actually came out this year, which it's not. Actually, I don't think it's ever coming out. Yeah, um, I don't I'm not entirely sure there will ever be an Ubisoft game again, except for um, Assassin's Creed.
0: I'm concerned, like, I don't care about Ubisoft, per se. There's no, like, games that they have that I'm like, oh, I need to see what this game is. But, like, what what's going on over there? It just seems like they're crashing and burning actively.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I don't really... Here's my... So, so, like, Mario and Rabbids, like, I'm not sure a lot of people enjoy Rabbids. I think they're kind of, like, worse minions, which is really already quite the bar to set so i'm not really sure the audience was quite there for mario and rabbits um i will also say just dance is a game that now basically thrives off of like paid content yeah um and people don't want to do that they 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 want to play a game a dance game where they can just open the game and have as many songs you know already in the game that you don't have to pay for So this is not particularly surprising. I just don't think Ubisoft is very good at uh, management.
0: Why are there still Just Dance games every year?
1: I know. That's what's weird to me, too. Like, you could take Just Dance 2020 or 2021 or whatever. I think I have 2020. And just constantly update it with new songs instead of releasing a new title. But the truth is they want people to pay for a new title, make minuscule changes, and then do a new roster of songs which then they continue to add to. Can't so like I said it's just poor man it's like poor management. Everything about Ubisoft is poor management at this point.
0: I just feel like this speaks bad omens to their to their future right now. I'm a little bit not worried because I don't care about Ubisoft but like I have a feeling we may be seeing the final days of Ubisoft as we know it.
1: Yeah, honestly. I mean, when you cancel 3 games, not just projects, but games, and then delay a game that was supposed to come out in like four months, a year, it's a little bit alarming to the point where it's like, okay, maybe you should uh, readjust your priorities.
0: Well, yeah, because oh my goodness. The last Skull and Bones delay was six weeks out. And this, whoa, Skull and Bones is an underwear brand as well. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um,. This one is also like less than 12 weeks away.
1: Yeah, I I don't I don't foresee this game ever coming out. Sorry to all you landlubbers who want to be pirates, but you're just going to play another Ubisoft game. Assassin's Creed Black Flag.
0: Yeah. Nothing new.
1: Superior pirate game. But you also have to be in an Assassin's Creed game, so.
0: Yeah, you're still losing. You take
1: the good with the bad. <laughs> Yeah. No offense to anyone who likes Assassin's Creed. Oh, they'll be um, okay. They'll be okay. And you know what? Black Planet's not a bad game. I'm just being a hater because you it's hate fun. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> what is perhaps also fun is a new direct. Is okay. that really what we're calling it?
0: It's a uh, developer showcase. direct. Showcase. Is that allowed?
1: Developer direct. Yeah. <laughs> um, Xbox and Bethesda has announced a showcase-slash-direct, which I'm not sure is copyrighted, (laughs) uh, for January 25th, which, as of time of recording, is next week, um, where they're going to be talking about Minecraft Legends, uh, Forza Motorsports, Elder Scrolls Online, and Redfall, um, probably Redfall being the most notable of this group. Um, And then a Starfield showcase is confirmed to be getting a separate event later on, which makes sense. I think they'd want to do like a demo event before the game comes out in um, whenever this year. When is Uh, it supposed to come out? Just this year, right? Yeah, there's Um, no window.
0: I feel like Redfall will have a window after this, but I thought Starfield was coming before Redfall. So this surprised me.
1: Yeah, I don't really know. I guess since it's... Box and Bethesda, they can really just do a bunch of stuff at the same time. Um, because now it's like one big conglomerate. But
0: I was just confused, because I thought when they announced this, I was like, oh cool, like they'll do a nice showcase where they'll talk about a bunch of games. But it, they're really making it sound like it's going to be just these four games. And two of these games are out. <laughs> like you can play Elder Scrolls Online and Minecraft Legends actively. Forza Motorsport I'm really sorry if you're a big forces fan. It's not that different. And Redfall, I'm I'm curious to see, but I don't know anybody excited to see it. So it just, it doesn't seem like an exciting showcase.
1: Yeah, I think there's a few things here. I mean, with Elder Scrolls Online, I would imagine that they might want to try and um, reformat it a little bit to sort of match the success of Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, live updates, I feel. And this Minecraft Legends game, I, honestly, I think people would probably watch for Redfall. It's nice that they clarified exactly what games they're talking about. So people who only care about Starfield won't watch this. Yeah. Uh, people like myself.
0: Uh, <laughs> You're not going to watch?
1: Yeah. No. No, I won't. Is it um, at a
0: reasonable time? No. It's,
1: it's it- at 12, or it's at 3 p.m. Eastern. No, thanks. Uh, which is kind of a weird. I mean they all happen at weird times. They all happen at like four PM. It's like do they not care about people who like get out of work at five? No. Anyway. They don't care. They only care about gamers who don't work. Who don't work. <laughs> or work from home. Yeah. Which, you know, no hate if you don't work, because I admire you. I wish I didn't have to work.
0: Yeah, what's your secret?
1: every, every day is suffering. Okay. What's my secret? My secret is no, not that yours. we have the non- oh.
0: The unemployed people. Oh, oh, oh. yeah, no, I'm I don't sorry. have a secret. You can go what's your secret?
1: Uh, I don't have a secret. Um
0: Should I read sponsor is... read then?
1: No no no. <laughs> my secret is is that <laughs> in this brand spanking new year, we are once again welcoming a familiar face and close friend. Uh we have a very exciting word from our co sponsor. Uh this episode of Talking Games with Kaylee and Andrew is sponsored by Sentry a new esports organization from the P-Berg, the Big Yellow Bridges,
0: Mm.
1: uh, Steel City Baby. Um, Sorry. Uh, (laughs) So uh, their team runs tournaments uh, for Smash and other video games. You know, video games. You guys know those. Um, And you can find them at Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash pghcentry. Or you can go to their website, which is smacksentry.gg. That's S-M-A-K-S-E-N-T-R-Y.gg. And you can find more info about attending events or viewing content or doing both. Uh, Thanks again to Sentry for your continued friendship and co-sponsorship. I hope you guys are enjoying the new year. Over there in the berg. The mustard city.
0: What? No. It's the ketchup city.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Heinz is ketchup. I'm sorry. The ketchup city. (laughs) I got so. Sorry for my my egregious error.
0: I mean, Um, Heinz isn't even like that Pittsburgh y now, but like it's permanent.
1: I know. What is the new what's the new field called? It's not Heinz Field anymore. It's like something weird.
0: PPG Paints Arena.
1: Yeah, that's definitely what it's called. I bet friend of the show Cameron Hoover would know this. Oops, it, I said no, his full name.
0: It's called PPG Paints Arena. Why oh are you... really? Yeah. I uh, thought you why... said
1: PP pee... I thought you were making like a PP pee pee poo poo joke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. PP pee, pee poo poo G Paints Arena.
1: <laughs> okay, you'll have to edit out the bit where I um reveal Friend of the Show Cameron's full. Yeah, no, uh, let's, dox, name, him. let's so. dox him.
0: Let's dox him. Sorry. Cameron, when, this, when we get enormously big, you're going to get all these people reaching out, asking how they can contact us. Yeah. Uh, Kelly, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump ahead to what we've been playing and use our last news story as a little through line. Oh. I have now, thanks to the generosity of a friend, an Xbox Series X. He has a PC and he's like, I don't really want this. Do you want to borrow it? And I'm borrowing it. So I will have that for a little while and I've been playing it. Um, Obviously, it's not a video game, but this is a video game show, and it's a video game device. So uh, I like it a lot. I think the one thing that has definitely over PS5 is the quick resume feature, so you can have multiple games open at once and then quickly hop between them. And I know that's a small thing, but it's nice to not have to completely reboot certain games um, because, you know, some games have really long startups, and that's annoying. Um, Graphically, it's not... It's I think it's the same thing as the PS5 where it's just nice to have things crisp and in 4K and have fast loading speeds. But since Forza Horizon is like the big graphical showcase that Xbox likes to use, I went ahead and went back and played some Forza Horizon 5 and I was not unimpressed, but I was like, yeah, this is this is what I'd expect. Um, I'd say it is a device of convenience and it's not so much exciting as it is just nicer to play than an Xbox One. Because my 1X was definitely eh, slow. It had trouble loading certain things. But it's nice to have the Series X now to speed that along. And I took advantage of it by playing a very technically demanding game, Immortality. Which is not technically demanding. It is a full motion video game. Um, Immortality follows the story of Marissa Marcel, an actress from the... 60s, 70s, and 90s who went missing. And we don't know why. She was on three major movies and none of them got released due to some uh, weird circumstances. So the movie, it starts by showing you clips of different things and you can click your uh, Y button or whatever your browse button is on your particular device. And then when you click on something, like let's say you click on a cup, it'll take you to another scene with a cup in it. So the scenes are all made up of raw footage from those movie shoots, as well as a few little uh, clips from like between the scenes. But they're raw, they're unedited, so it always starts with somebody standing in front of the camera with a clapboard and ends with somebody saying cut. And sometimes, like either before they say cut or before they actually cut the camera, you get some like interesting context about like the actor saying something that you wouldn't expect. Um, and it's really fun to kind of unravel the three stories of these three movies um the three movies are like one is like a a story of religious uh religious sexual uh what's the word um scandal no (laughs) no that is valid but not this Uh, no it's like a scandal that's going on and you're trying to understand what's going on with this religious figure this 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 religious figure who's in a weird circumstance, and Marissa Marcel plays a peculiar young lady who may or may not be seducing somebody um, and then in the second one it's the story of an artist who was murdered, and it's the investigator trying to figure out who done it and then the third movie is Marissa Marcel playing both a pop star as well as her body double um. All three of the movies are pretty fine. Like, if you watch, if they cut them together as a movie, you'd probably be fine watching them. But what really makes them interesting is unraveling the story, what happened to Marissa, what's happening with the cast, the crew, and there's also some unexpected elements. Uh, they really freaked me out when I started to to discover them. This game has some, like, horror game undertones. It's not a horror game, but it spooked me a few times. And I think it's really worth your time. There's an aha moment probably halfway through your playthrough. Realistically, it could happen like 10 minutes in, but I don't think that'll happen. Took me about half my five-hour playthrough to discover it. Um, And that moment is really when things start to go crazy and it gets really interesting. Um, It's mechanically a bit flawed. I don't think it's a perfect game, but ultimately it's an exciting experience, and I do recommend it a lot, especially if you have Game Pass. It's only on Series X and PC, I don't know why it's not on Xbox One, but it's a really interesting experience. They also put it out on Netflix, like the mobile phone or the mobile game store. So you can play it on your phone. I don't promise that it'll work well. I don't know how that works, but it's a really interesting experience that I think's worth checking out. If you have any interest in like unraveling mysteries or just seeing what a full motion video game looks like in 2020. Well, it's 2023 now, but that came out in 2022. Kelly, nice. yes. I, I remember last week when we did, like, the catch-up of all the games we played over break? Yes. Yeah, I forgot one. I played Callisto Protocol over the break. Oh. Uh, I didn't like it. I thought it was, it was trudging and visually, like, pretty good, but I lost interest pretty quick. And the combat didn't feel good. And the shooting didn't feel good. And the puzzles didn't particularly feel good. So I... I dropped that like a rock, a really, really heavy and also like boiling hot rock. Oh. Anyway, I didn't like it. That's all I got to say. Sorry, everybody.
1: (laughs) It's good. It's succinct.
0: Um, Two more. One I already talked about a bit, and that is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I finished it. I thought it was a really fun romp. The back half was a lot better than the first half. There was a lot less of the annoying backtracking that I had a problem with last week. I think that the story was fine, a little bit held back by the fact that it's chained to Star Wars lore elements that I'm not so keen on, but I ultimately had a great time anyway, and I really appreciated what they were going for. I'm going to play the sequel. That's like It was good enough that it has definitely gotten me on board for the sequel. I don't know if I'll play it day one, but I'm Really interested, and I thought that they did a great job. The combat was super fun, especially in the latter chunks. Like, the bosses and stuff were really cool. Um, yeah, great time. I already talked about it last week, so I'm not going to not gonna stick to that too much. But the last thing I played this week, I've been gaming. Like, wow. I finished Immortality, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, and Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. Did you ever play Stanley Parable?
1: No, mm. I did not.
0: You should. I've seen
1: videos of it, but I haven't played it myself.
0: I won't say a lot because this game relies a lot on the reveals that it does through the game. But it's kind of like a meta commentary on games. It came out 10 years ago, which blows my mind. And this Ultra Deluxe port came out last year and added quite a bit of new content. It's really funny. It's incredibly well written. Uh, The gameplay is pretty minimal. It's sort of like one of the pioneer walking simulators but it is genuinely very funny and it also pokes and prods at game design in a way that I didn't expect and it really lands the punches um I will not spoil any specifics except for one bit that I think would get you interested if you weren't already um there is a scene where the narrator's talking to you because the narrator talks through the entire game telling you what to do and sometimes you defy him and that's when it gets interesting but I was in a room and there was a timer counting down, and it was basically like, okay, so at the, when this timer goes down, hit 0 but um, bum like, it's over. And I was like, uh-oh, I gotta figure out how to get out of this situation. So I, the player, start running in circles around this room, and there's like a hundred buttons in this room, and computer screens. And I'm literally just walking up to things, and click, 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 nothing worked. Click, click, trying to figure it out, click, click. And the narrator, while he's, like, going on this monologue, is just like, and you're just sitting here walking in circles, clicking every button, like, you think it's gonna do anything, and I was just like, whoa. How it did he kinda got you? Yeah, how did he know I was doing that? And I'm like, well, cause probably ninety-five percent of players did exactly that. Like they <laughs> used their gamer instincts to be like, gotta figure out what I gotta do. But it really made that was the moment I was like, wow, this game like knows what it's saying and it does it really well. And it's it's funny. If it wasn't funny, I don't think I'd have enjoyed the commentary, but I thought it was hilarious. And the ultra deluxe port took me about four hours and I had a great time. Definitely recommend checking it out. Either the, the Ultra Deluxe port or the original. Either way is going to serve you well.
1: Serve and slay.
0: Slay. And so- eat. And I got no transitions. Sorry, Kelly. I talked about <laughs> so many freaking games. It's your turn.
1: That's okay. Um, if you can believe it, the game that I was playing last week is like a 100 billion hour game. So, I'm still playing it. Uh, I'm still playing Persona 5 Royal. I do believe that will be put on pause this week as I embark on a new Fire Emblem journey. Um, and then I'll probably finish Persona 5. And then I'll probably play Persona 3, which will be a very um, painful experience going from 5 to 3. <laughs> but that's yeah. okay um, because I'm in it for the love of the game, not for. Uh, the joy, but for the love—not
0: <laughs> <laughs> to have fun, but to fulfill a ness a necessity.
1: Exactly, exactly. And then who knows? Maybe I'll play four. I mean, the world is really my oyster with Game Pass, and I'm not a shill. I'm not a corporate shill. Um, I'm just saying. Um, Game Pass. But yeah, that's cool. pretty much all I played this week. Um, but I did watch something this week. <gasps> Uh, Perhaps you watched it as well, a little little HBO home box office uh, original (laughs) called uh, The Last of Us, starring Pedro Pascal
0: and Bella Ramsey. Yeah, keep going. It's
1: pretty
0: good. Should I go through the whole five minute song or?
1: Uh definitely.
0: D- nope, <laughs> um
1: <laughs> So this was a pretty long pr- it was the premiere episode. It was pretty long. It was like an hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, that, that took half. me
0: that took me by surprise. I didn't realize it was a yeah. feature length premiere.
1: I thought, well, you know, usually it's just an hour, but HBO was really like, whatever. Take it.
0: It served so, it well though. Like the length was I think one of the strongest points because Uh, It's not the most faithful adaptation as far as specifics, but the way that it expands, it surprised me how truly dire circumstances felt, like as they revealed the world starting to crumble, um, the outbreak starting. The game's good. The game does a really good job of making the outbreak start feel really tense and uncomfortable, but this was like, almost horror movie levels of like tensity even though I know what was going to happen it was so tense
1: yeah I thought um so there were a lot of like little things expanded on um we got more time with Sarah in the beginning which I thought was a really really good choice Mm -hmm. I kind of had a feeling they were going to do that just because in the game you really don't have a lot of time to get close to her um and I think that expanding on her character and also giving her a little bit more awareness as to what's going on, like in the game, it's really like Sarah's just living her life, and then all of a sudden it's like zombies, surprise. But um, in the show, I thought they did a really good job of sort of like showing the the. It, it felt like eerily realistic, um, just the way that you know she went to school, and I thought one little bit that was really good. That I haven't seen anybody talk about is, um, there's a part when she's at school and she's like writing something on her desk and this light keeps like shining at her Mm -hmm. and it's one of her classmates has a bracelet and the lights reflecting off of it. And obviously that mirrors later in the episode when, you know, the lights like shining on them, uh, at the sort of, uh, emotional climax of the episode, so to speak, um, I thought that was really good. And, and I just felt like having more time with her definitely made a, a, a bigger impact um, in terms of what happens. Yeah. And, you know, I think the actress, Nico Parker, who portrayed her, did a really, really good job uh, with such a, I don't want to say small role because I don't think it's small. It's obviously one of the most important aspects of Joel's character, if not the most important. Um, But she had a very limited time. Yeah. So I thought she did a great great job. I thought everybody did a really great job. And I think that there were, as far as adaptations go, I actually think that there is a lot of loyalty to the source material, um, obviously, because Neil Druckmann is involved uh directly executive Mm -hmm. producing and you know writing and co-creating um but there are are like little things that I was just like shocked at how like there's a part where Bella Ramsey like speaks and her voice sounds just like
0: I heard that too
1: and it's (laughs) like wow and you know it's interesting well I guess we'll see in later episodes play out but as I was looking at their face they look so much like um, Ashley Johnson sometimes mm-hmm. that I'm like, well, I guess we'll see that expanded on. But um, anyway, I, I thought I'm, you know, I thought everybody did a really good job. I, I love Anna Torv. I think she's a great actress. She did a great job with Tess. Um, I can't even talk about Pedro Pascal. I so I won't.
0: I'm I will. Be quiet. How I'm about I be quiet? Do you want me to take that? S-
1: yeah, I don't think I should say anything.
0: Okay. For the
1: sake of my own uh, public image.
0: Okay, he did a good job. Yeah, moving on. No, he he does capture the role. I was always worried about this adaptation because I have such a clear image in my head of what Joel and Ellie should be, what they should look like, what they should sound like, what they should act like. So seeing a new actor portray that made me nervous. I think Pedro Pascal, as well as Bella Ramsey, kind of strike this perfect balance of creating a new character as well as honoring what came before. Um, Like Joel's character in the opening chunk of the game um, compared to Pedro Pascal's opening chunk of the television series are quite a bit different. But then there's points like the major inciting incident that we won't spoil here. But that moment was so similar to the game And I was honestly, like, floored with how well Pedro Pascal captured the energy of that scene. Because, you know, obviously an adaptation doesn't have to be one-to-one, but that scene had to be one-to-one. Because that is one of the most important scenes in video games media, you know? Yes. And he just did such an exceptional job of capturing that. And I think for me, what really, like, they're building upon things that I didn't expect. Like, I'm a lot more interested in the quarantine zone. I'm a lot more interested in what Fedra like the the new military government is doing like how they function. Um the fireflies are being presented a lot a lot different even though they are the same group. There's like you get a more broad understanding of of what they are. Um and they're adding context in places that we didn't know would be helpful. Uh when you meet Ellie in the video game she is just already with Marlene and um Joel takes care, basically like takes custody of, of Ellie to complete a mission. In this, we get context about how Marlene and Ellie ended up being together because, you know, they, we know now that they weren't just together to begin with. Ellie was in the quarantine zone. So it's interesting to find that out. Um, There's a lot of little things. Also shout out to the, the actress for Marlene. I didn't know till yesterday. I think we knew this, but I forgot that is the same actor as the game, and like that cannot be an easy thing to transition. Like playing a character in a mocap studio with a bunch of balls on your body versus playing it in an actual set in person. That is that must be such a challenging transition to make. But she knocked it out of the park.
1: Yeah, and plus it's like ten years later. You know she she yeah. originally recorded that like ten plus years ago. Probably like so twenty.
0: It's... Probably like two thousand ten. She recorded that.
1: Yeah, so it's like, I it would be really hard to pick that back up right from where you left off, and but yeah, I agree. I thought she did a great job. Um, I think her name is Merle Dandridge. Uh, but I I would agree, and I will I will talk about Pedro a little bit because I feel bad not talking about him. <laughs> you got it. Um, I thought he did a really great job. I I I was uh, kind of glad he didn't try to do that one to one Southern twang that Troy Baker does. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that it fits um, his version of Joel very well. Um, but I thought he did a great job. He, I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of his on many levels. Okay. Sorry. Let it out I'm for one big, second. Let it out for I'm one second. I'm a big second. fan of him. I'm a big fan of looking at him. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, no, he did a great job as Joel. I'm really excited to see as the relationship expands i'm excited to see how um he'll he'll develop because obviously the biggest part of the last of us part one is um is his relationship with ellie and how that evolves and how he changes as a character um and you know we saw change already in him from from just this first episode alone from sort of the pre-outbreak joel to the Joel that he is now. Um, I also liked that they sort of confirmed his relationship with Tess. That was always something that I found very compelling in the game. Um, And I'm kind of glad that they were like, yeah, we're doing it.
0: Yeah. We're doing it. They did it subtly though. It wasn't like there was like some terribly. They weren't just like boning on the. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that was...
0: You can no. add that. <laughs> Nope, um. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. No, it's subtle. She just, like, leans on his back in a way that you're like, oh, that's a romantic involvement.
1: Yeah, and he was the little spoon, which honestly feels very right to me.
0: Yeah. Also, there's, um. like, a lot of talk about, like, substances and, like, trauma and stuff that definitely... Obviously, Joel in the game had trauma, but there are moments where, like, the trauma really hits him in this series that I'm like, that's interesting, you know? Joel being... Yeah truly shocked by like a light in his face because it reminds him of an earlier incident and then reacting
1: uh
0: brashly brashly is a nice word for what he did reacting very (laughs) violently that's surprising you know that was i didn't expect it to happen how it did
1: yeah i loved that part um
0: well you shouldn't say that why I i thought
1: it was cool i
0: loved the part with all the blood and and
1: well, come on, that's I mean it's that's yes, it's like I I love the way about it's written him. Too. And we see his like barely restrained like fury the entire episode. It's like he just he's got all this like angry tension, uh, post outbreak and we never really see that until the very end. And then you're like, Oh my god, like he's it, go he's like off the rocker, you know what I mean? But that's it was so it was like so it was I don't wanna say it was cathartic because it wasn't for uh, the guy that got, you know, his face. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, but it was for me as a viewer who has sort of been like, okay, I know, I know why everybody's afraid of Joel, but why is everybody afraid of Joel?
0: Yeah, um, I guess retroactively, I didn't hear this complaint from anybody really at the time, but Joel kind of does just become suddenly a lot more like violent and, and scary in the in the game because the big thing here is you're not controlling Joel. So every time he kills somebody, it's going to feel a lot more violent because video Mm -hmm. games are like a medium where we're desensitized to the violence. We're desensitized to what the character does because for us, it sometimes becomes very gamey. We're pointing a, we're pointing a gun and pew pew. But every time somebody dies in this show, I think they're going to lend a lot more weight to it. Um, Yeah. Which kind of transitions into my, my point that i wanted to make sure i made this feels like to me last of us part 2 part 1 and i know that sounds stupid but what i mean is last of us 2 put a lot more weight on each individual decision each individual action that your character takes when you when you kill somebody in last of us part 2 it's slow and the character's animations and sounds are really upsetting they want you to feel the weight of every single death. And that's something that part one never really did or could do because of what the medium was capable of in 2013. But this show feels retroactively like it's trying to, to supplant the, the ideals of part two into the story of part one, you know, which is interesting because they released a PS five remake called part one recently, but that didn't change this, you know, because narratively it's the same. But this show, this feels like the retelling that, that Neil Druckmann would want to tell based on how he took part two, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. And I think that, you know, like you said, it wasn't, the the, the messaging of the first game wasn't necessarily like the impact. The messaging of the first game was the characters, Um, whereas in the second game, it becomes a little bit more about the themes. I mean, the first game has the theme of like survival and endurance and, and, um, you know, new life basically, uh, born from, from, uh, cataclysm. But, but the second game, obviously the themes are a lot more focused on more broader concepts. Like it's not so much about, it's not, uh, it's not about Joel and Ellie. It's about revenge and, and death, and I would agree that I think the tone from that sec- that part two carries over into the show a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely the, the original creator's intention. Um, I will also say that I am still feeling a little bit sad that the spores are no longer the issue at hand, uh, that it's now like it spreads through like the tendrils, um, I think that that is something that makes The Last of Us so unique is the style of the zombies um, fungus spreads through fungus and mold spread through airborne spores usually so it's just kind of a bummer that that's no longer the case but from a technical standpoint I can understand why they didn't do that because they don't want their characters wearing masks all the time because that would just be like a nightmare for many reasons but
0: so it's yeah because they had there was like weird fungus coming out of the mouths of the zombies. Yeah. that confused me at first because I don't know if that was a change we knew ahead of time or what. But I really didn't it, expect that.
1: Well, it's it was. They said we're not doing spores in the show. We're do- there. It's it's through a different method. And and you know, I, I mean, I didn't personally know that until after the fact because I was like, there were these weird scenes and weird parts where like. Joel, like, moved a cabinet and you saw the, like, dust floating in the air and it, like, reminded you, like, oh, my God, the spores. And then there's another scene where they're underground or they're in a building and mm-hmm. Joel shines his flashlight and it's it, almost, it looks like he's looking at spores because there's all these little <laughs> I got particles. all nervous. I got nervous. Yeah. Joel, <laughs> yeah. like, put like, your mask hey, on. I know, and it's, <laughs> you know, people who play the game know that that's usually when the characters put their masks on. So I, they, like, kind of, like, referenced it, but then it was all about um the the tendrils from the mouth, which is obviously like biting, which is a very standard uh zombie type yeah. of beat. But also, you know, the zombies are still very different in this show.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean in the original they, they bite as well. It could be spores right. or bite. They just got rid of spores in this one, I guess. Right. But I don't know. I I, I don't want to dwell on this too much because I feel like we could talk about this for hours. But I'll just say, my impressions thus far, very positive. I'm excited to see you know, this felt intense, because that first chunk of the of the story is just a hard one to tell. It's very intense, it's very draining. I sobbed during a certain part. Like, it took a lot out of me. But, but The Last of Us Part 1 has a lot of, you know, positive character interaction scenes that I'm looking forward to seeing. And I'm I'm way more curious now where this will end, like how much of the game is going to be in this season because I am probably like twice as invested as I was before it came out because I'm this this version of this narrative is just one I look forward to seeing mm-hmm. way more than I realized I was going to.
1: Yeah, I'm very I feel the same. I feel very positive about it. I'm excited to see the rest of the season. I'm excited to see more Pedro. Um And everybody else, too. (laughs) Sorry.
0: I'm curious to see Bella Ramsey's performance evolve, because there wasn't a ton of Ellie in this first episode. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see how that character grows.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
0: So, well, I guess we should probably call that an episode.
1: I guess we should.
0: We're going to be back Back every week talking about this show for the next eight weeks. Probably. But we'll be back next week for sure with impressions of Fire Emblem Engage. Right? Wait, you're right. We
1: will be engaging in playing a new Fire Emblem game. Kelly will be playing it with gritted teeth.
0: We'll be <laughs> engaging kidding. in tax fraud.
1: Oh. <laughs> um. Sorry, I don't know why I had this. <laughs> No, I'm excited for Fire Emblem. Uh,
0: Fire Emblem, engage your parking brake.
1: Fire Emblem, get engaged, and then get married.
0: Fire Emblem, Kelly is engaged.
1: (laughs) That's pretty good.
0: Yeah. What if instead of a ring, somebody was just like, will you marry me? And handed you Fire Emblem, engage.
1: I would simply say no. <laughs> That'd be the end of that
0: relationship. <laughs> Sorry. My
1: question is is there um are there uh social components of this Fire Emblem game or is it like back to the no? It's
0: less than 3 houses but like still quite a bit it seems like. Well, because there's no like school mechanics.
1: I know, but I've if heard there's it not compared to handsome rogue riding a wyvern that I can't marry then... Uh,
0: Oh, I don't know about marriage. I don't know. But, but I'm done. I'm the impressions <laughs> are very positive, but um, we'll know tomorrow. Well, if you're listening to this time of release, it'll be the reviews are out. So I'm very curious to see what those are like. But the previews that came out last week were extremely positive, And I've heard it compared a lot to Awakening in its like structure. So that <sighs> makes me cur- that makes me very excited. I love Awakening. So. Okay. All right. Well, let's, let's wrap it up. We'll be back next week with Fire Emblem Engage Impressions as well as Last of Us Part 2 or Episode 2 review. <laughs> part
1: 1.
0: <laughs> Last episode of Us Part two. 2, Part 1, Episode 2 review from HBO <laughs> Max or HBO. Oh, I watched on Home HBO box Max. box office entertainment. You don't have TV, do you?
1: No, I watched on HBO Max.
0: Yeah. Part of me is like, I don't know. I just feel funny watching it on an app. The second it comes out, I'm like, what if I skip to the ending and see the spoilers? I but then know, I'm like, why I would I do that? That'd be stupid.
1: Or then you pause and you're like, Oh my God, I'm behind everybody else. Cause I had to go to the bathroom.
0: Well, I started 30 minutes late cause I was playing the Stanley parable.
1: Oh, well I started exactly at nine o'clock on dot Eastern standard.
0: I'll probably do that next surprised.
1: week. <laughs> Sometimes HBO, uh, with big releases, they're not their Uh, their servers can't really handle it very well, but, but it, it, it pulled through last night, so.
0: I'm proud of, well, maybe, no, I don't want to say that. Maybe it's not performing quite as well as, or maybe they were just prepared for how well it was going to perform.
1: Yeah, they learned their lesson from House of the Dragon.
0: Well, I'm going to go back to my house of House of the cat. I'm going to go feed, too. I'm to go feed my cat.
1: Me too. Meow. Meow. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Have a great week send pedro my love if you see him anywhere <laughs>
0: please why is there a question mark on week
1: uh i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well if they're listening during the weekend then it's kind of like have a great week sounds awful like you don't want to hear that on a saturday Kelly, the theme you song hear on-
0: the theme song is rolling you have to end it
1: <laughs> okay thanks for listening everybody bye